That old black magic has me in its spell That old black magic that you weave so well I see fingers up and down my spine Same old witchcraft when your eyes meet Welcome mine. back to another episode of Broomsticks Same and Butterbeer. I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are going to be tackling Chapter 7 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, titled The Sorting Hat. Another long chapter. Another long chapter. But we have Butterbeer. We do. So we do have Butterbeer. We're going to sip on Butterbeer while we discuss. When I, I ask you, you know, I, I just keep thinking if i if i keep going through from chapter to chapter i will eventually get like a like a 10 page chapter and i can just like fly through it and because it's not the reading the reading's fun it's the copious notes that i have to take is fun (laughs) it's the copious notes that i have to take in order to uh keep this uh podcast rolling along i i know what you mean i i took took twice as many notes as i did Last time. Twice as many notes. Twice as many. <laughs> How many uh, total words do you have on your notes? Um, I abbreviated a little, actually, so I don't know how you want to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You have nine words. I have more than that on my first line okay. of notes. But I, I abbreviate it. My, mine say little few words, but it says I know what it means. Yeah. You're a woman of few words. Mm-hmm. You like to keep it tight. And I just want to drink the butterbeer. Right. We do have uh, some delicious frozen butterbeer that we're sipping on right now that'll uh, help us get through the the, uh, chapter. It was a pretty pretty cool chapter. I know. I was really excited to read this one. Why was that? Because it's the sorting hat. It's just a fun chapter. Okay. You get to hear about all the houses and everything. and, And there's things that... This is where we're really getting into things where you don't know. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. <laughs> but like, you... what's so exciting about this chapter? There's things, There's man. There's things, man. We're just, like, getting into things. We're getting into things that you like, don't know. Like, we haven't know. been, like, the other six chapters, we weren't sh- getting into things. And now we're getting into things. Well, we stuck pretty close to the movies. Now we're at Hogwarts, and we're doing th- things that you- there's going to be more that you haven't experienced yet. Things? Things. Would you say? Lots of things. Things, And too. people. Things and people to experience. Mm-hmm. And one of the people that we experienced, see that smooth transition there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's classic like podcast radio guy coming out because I'm a highly paid uh, podcast radio host. At the end of the last chapter, we had arrived at Hogwarts. We had sailed across the little mini lake. We had knocked on the door. Chapter seven picks up right where chapter six left off. The doors open, Hagrid's got the first year students there, and uh, we are greeted by somebody that we have not met since chapter one, mm-hmm. which was uh, Miss Professor McGonagall. Yes, I love Professor McGonagall. What do you love about Professor McGonagall? Things. Things. <laughs> you're having a big show. That's why you're the MVP. I just, I, I don't know, I just love her as a character. She seems very strict and stern, but if you actually pay attention, she's not, and she really likes these kids. And yeah, and I kind of get, I kind of get that uh, impression from McGonagall as well. Is that she kind of, if you looked at her and just saw her, you would think she's like the mean old teacher. No fun at all. And I've had a few of those over the years. I had a teacher in high school that looked like the. Uh, 
the Emperor from Star Wars. Ooh. And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's not good. Yeah. And as, as unfun as being on the, I assume being on the Death Star was, that's as unfun as how her English class was as mm-hmm. well. But McGonagall seems like uh, there's more than meets the eye yes, with her. Definitely. And she's a kitty cat, so. Yeah, you're allergic to kitty cats, so. <laughs> Not in the wizarding world, I wouldn't be. Uh, speaking of uh, of animals, uh, you're wearing a pretty cool shirt today. I am. I got it for my birthday. And uh, happy birthday to you as we're recording this. Uh, we are right around your birthday time. So if you listen to this, you know, 10 years down the road, mm-hmm. it, you might have no frame of reference for when we're recording this. But we are recording this uh, right around your birthday. So happy birthday, birthday after my birthday, to yeah. you. Uh, it says, my Patronus is a Basenji. Now for the for the ninety nine percent of the listeners, ninety nine point nine percent of the listeners who have no idea what a Basenji is, um, you might be able to hear one in the background right now. Because <laughs> he's grumbling. There, there's a grumbly Basenji right behind me. Explain to the audience just briefly so we don't get briefly uh, too far away from uh, what we're here to do, what a Basenji is. Basenji is the most adorable dog. Uh, they're little about 20 pounds African hunting hounds they're the barkless hounds some people have heard of those and they're adorable they have wrinkled foreheads pointy ears and curly little tails and they chew on everything so. chew on everything uh, and catch and murder rabbits in the backyard yeah we had a, we had a, our our Basenji pup caught uh, her first rabbit the other day and mm-hmm. massacred it pretty uh Brutally in the backyard. Blood everywhere. Yeah, with a big, and she did it with a big smile on her face. Oh, she like was she, very proud of herself. She accomplished quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted to make mention of your uh, Harry Potter themed shirt that you have right there. Yes, because I'm sipping on my butterbeer. Uh, so M- Professor McGonagall basically kind of gives the first years a crash course in what's going to be coming up in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but not and, much information nope, is given. Nope. Because they still don't know what they're going on and she kind of like you said she kind of comes off as very stern and you know i don't want to hear any talking or anything when when she, she walks which away made me laugh like because i'm like if we told our kids to wait here quietly they'd burn the place down i mean if you left a group of children from our school in a room by themselves and asked them to be quiet they would just burn the place down yeah i mean that is you know today's youth I, I kind of think that, you know, when I was in school, that if they told us to not talk, <laughs> I would have been the kid who would have not said anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, you know, I... Especially if it was someone like Professor McGonagall who told you to do it. Yeah, I got in very minimal amounts of trouble. I was not a, uh, a Weasley twin by any means. No, I was, <laughs> I was not a mischievous uh, young man. So McGonagall kind of gives, uh, like I said, the first years of Crash Course... Uh, she basically said that you're going to be sorted into four houses. Uh, she mentions Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Slytherin, and Ravenclaw. Whatever house you get sorted in, you're going to take your classes with that house. You're going to sleep in that house dormitory. You're going to have your free time in the house commons. So it's basically going to be your de facto family for the entirety of your run at Hogwarts. Uh, McGonagall also explained the finer points of uh, earning points, house points. points. And the fact that you can earn house points for doing impressive things and you can lose house points for doing depressive things. Yes. (laughs) 
And the winner at the end of, is it at the end of the term, they award the House Cup? Mm -hmm. And uh, we find out uh, later on that uh, Slytherin is on a little bit of a uh, run here with uh, having won the House Cup six years in a row. That's not cool. Probably by nefarious means. Kelly, who's our resident Slytherin. <laughs> resident Slytherin. Uh, Ron and Henry, or Ron and Henry. Who? who is Henry <laughs> Potter. You know who Henry is. What? Uh, Ron and Harry are very unsure of what the sorting process entails. What were some of the things that they imagined that the sorting uh, house sorting process was going to take between Ron and, and Mr. <laughs> Hank Potter, Henry Potter. Um, well, Harry thought that it was going to be some sort of test, magical test. He was going to have to perform a spell. He was mm-hmm. going to have to do something magical to prove mm-hmm. his skills. I think Hermione was kind of all on the same level. She thought she was going to have to do something <laughs> to prove her skills. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was kind of funny that... Am I going to have to do a a spell? I can't do a spell. And Hermione's like, okay, I got this spell. I got this spell. I can do this spell. Um, If they ask me to do this, (laughs) which one do you want? What do you want me to do? I got them all. Um, Ron, on the other hand, was misled by his brothers into (laughs) believing that it was something horrible and gruesome and extremely painful. And um, I believe he even said wrestling a troll. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, he's been very uh, misled by his older brothers uh the only thing that he could remember is that uh i believe it was percy that or it was it was probably one of the twins oh definitely (laughs) one of the twins told him that well you know it hurts it really hurts but it's worth it (laughs) (laughs) and then you know uh wrestling a troll comes up later in the chapter as one of the things that ron thought he was going to have to do and then uh, before we can go into uh, the hall to get sorted, uh, some ghosts show up. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. You so, get to see the ghosts a little bit during the movies. So uh, explain <laughs> explain uh, how the students, these first-year students, uh, reacted when uh, dead people are just, just roaming just the hallways. Just in. And, and, and they're not even trying to really scare anybody. They're just passing through, chit-chatting. Yeah. Didn't even notice they were there at first. Yeah, the ghosts uh, just glided into the room, causing a ruckus, scaring the children, um, having their own little private conversation about each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and one of them goes, oh, look, first years. Mm-hmm. They're very friendly, very cordial. Yeah. Stop and talk to them. It was like, oh, I'm a Hufflepuff. Hope you get it in Hufflepuff. Hope you get Hufflepuff. And, people, and, and the would, first years are like, not if, there's, not, if there's, not if there's ghosts there, bro. <laughs> but uh, we find out later that every house... Has, has a, has like a, ghost. a mascot. Yeah. So, ghost, yeah. Right on. So if you... And then uh, there's a couple extra that we meet, too. Yeah, they kind of hang out and um, cause, some, cause some problems later yeah. on in the chapter. But uh, so, yeah, there's ghosts at Hogwarts. So uh, we got that going on for us. And then we step into the Great Hall. And what were some of the, your takeaways from what you read? Uh, what was kind of the picture that was playing in your head when you saw the uh, Great Hall for the first time. Again, I think the movies did a really good job with Mm -hmm. this. Um, You know, you've got the four long tables, one for each house. You've got the big table at the front for the uh, the professors. And the candles. I mean, it's just become so iconic now. The candles candles floating floating in the middle, in the air, up above them. On the night sky, the sky, uh, the, the ceiling of 
of Great Hall is right. bewitched to look like whatever the sky is outside. And Harry even said that it, if if you didn't know that there was a roof on the on building, the on the yeah. building, then you wouldn't guess it just by looking at it. Was that something that I don't remember if that was in the movie? Was that something that was in the movie? Um, I mean the. The ceiling is bewitched to look like the sky outside, and Hermione even says that same line about she okay. read about it in the history of Hogwarts. But I don't think we go so far as to have Harry like literally say, "You wouldn't know that if you, you know, just by looking at it or something." But you're given that impression. Gotcha. And the sorting hat uh, or the sorting process, uh, when we get the students up there, it's basically just a stool. Yep. That's uh, just a just a stool that sat in front of. Uh, all the other students and the first years kind of have to go up. And a still dirty unsure. Old hat. Still unsure of what the process is, and a dirty old hat that I think uh, Harry even said that Mr. or uh, Mrs. Dursley wouldn't allow anywhere near her house because of how dirty it was. And uh, Harry's first thought is that I'm gonna have to pull a rabbit out of this hat <laughs> <laughs> because that's what magic is. Yeah. That's all magicians do, is pull out rabbits, apparently. <laughs> Poor Harry has been so uh, sheltered away from his his true meaning in life that when he thinks of magic and he sees a hat, well, I better step up and pull a rabbit out of this hat or they're going to send me back on the train back to London. Yep. And I'm not going to get to uh, go to the school anymore. Yeah, he's still that insecurity that something is wrong, that this isn't real, or somebody's going to change their minds and send him back. It's still right there. As we get a visit from one of our Basenjis here. Well, I took her toy away because she was making a mess. And uh, she's sampling the butterbeer. And uh, seems, she seems to enjoy it. And she will be uh, a ball of energy here in about three minutes. Yeah. That we'll probably hear on the podcast. But the sorting hat is not just a hat, a simple hat at all. Because one of the wrinkles on the hat actually opens up into a mouth. And the sorting hat... Sings us a little song. Sings us a song, yes. There's so many fun things in this chapter. And the song is uh, not only entertaining, it's also informative. Very informative. Because it, ex- it explains who the Sorting Head is. It explains the f- what the four houses are, what the uh, qualities of the four houses are. Mm-hmm. The uh, Sorting Head describes how he works. Basically just put me on your head and I can see see your mind, bro. I can see everything. And I'm going to put you into a, uh, put you into a house. He gives a little bow. Everybody claps and uh, we're off. We're off and running. The students line up to try on the hat to be sorted. And Harry's still terrified. Yeah. He's still wishing he could just, he's okay with it. He's like, I'll put this hat on, but do I have to do it in front of everybody? Which I guess you can all relate to a little bit. It's it's you just know. it's funny the the dynamic there because he's so unsure of himself, but everybody else is so sure mm-hmm. of him. He's already he's gonna be great, right? He's gonna be he's already the best wizard ever. Sure, because he's took down Voldemort mm-hmm. <laughs> as a baby. As a baby, imagine Don't what he remember. imagine what he can do when he actually learns stuff. You know, I. It's just funny that the dynamic between, you know, how he sees himself and how everybody else sees him. So we've got, um, I, I know Neville uh, is is sorted, and then, of course, Ron and Hermione 
and uh, Harry are sorted. Was there anybody else that, that stood out, any of the other names? Because they didn't stand out to me, but I didn't know if they any of the other names that were mentioned stood um, out to you. Yeah, well, uh, Lavender Brown, she's a character that comes up later in the books. Um, the twins, the Patel twins, they're later in the books. Okay. Um, I did notice that when Draco got sorted, Crab and Goyle were already at the table. So yes, they were older. I just never realized. Gotcha. They he went to join his friends at the table, and so I was like, oh, look. I don't know. I just always assumed they were in the same year, but I guess not. Yep, that's why they're he's so much got bigger. Some older friends. Yeah, he's got some older uh, bully buddies to bully buddies, yeah. to uh, kind of take care of his light work. So some of our friends are sorted into Hufflepuff, oh, Ravenclaw, Hannah Ravenclaw. Abbott is another big one. Who is that? She was sorted first. Okay. And we find out about her and her family later on. Too. Oh, okay. Right on. I'm trying to think of the other names, but I think it was just those. Yeah, we'll have an intern look it up. Kelly. Kelly already knows. She doesn't have to look anything well, up. Well, then maybe she should speak up instead of just not participating. Well, or is she? <laughs> so, uh, some of our friends are sorted into Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Gryffindor, and Slytherin. And what I thought was interesting is that when some of the first years put the hat on, it's an immediate reaction by mm-hmm. the sorting hat. Uh, put the hat on Hufflepuff. Put the hat on Ravenclaw, and then for some of the other students, it takes some time. I think one of the students said it took over a minute, and then we'll talk about Harry's in a while because there was a whole dialogue that went along with with Harry's sorting. Mm-hmm. Why do you? Why is it? Do you think that some of the students were immediately sorted, and some of them there was more of a process to it? What's your takeaway from that? I think it's just. Some are more obviously fit into those categories. Okay. Other people, you know, have traits of a little of both. There are all those quizzes, you know, you can take online. And then there are some quizzes that will even tell you what your two top houses are. So if you were to have like a hybrid house that was really popular for a while, what was your hybrid house? Like Hufflegriff and (laughs) Slitherclaw and and things like that. I just thought it was interesting that... And that, that's what, kind of what I thought it, it meant, but I just wanted to confirm with you that, you know, for me, I would think that I would obviously be, I think I'd be Hufflepuff right away, you know, just judging by, you know, my personality and judging, you know, by I'm not, you know, I, I don't think I'm super ambitious. I don't think I'm, you know, uh, super... Um, you know, like, like a super book reader or, uh, you know, quest for learning or anything like that. But you're a librarian. Yeah. You know, it's ironic. <laughs> <laughs> well, librarian doesn't read that much. It's really weird. Uh, I ba- I'm, ba- I'm basically a librarian just to make you happy. Just to make you like me. <laughs> because I, I really... I, I thought it was because you didn't want to go back in a classroom. No, I really want my wife to like me and... Uh, Oh, yeah, she yeah. did that the other day, too. Yeah, our uh, Basenji was sampling the uh, butterbeer and decided to get a little teeth into the uh, the cup there. So we got out of the cup. Yeah, so we got a little uh, tooth mark there. all over her face. <laughs> Good for her. Maybe we'll, we'll tweet a picture out of that. Uh, if you want a picture of uh, Robin, the butterbe- butterbeer drinking dog, uh, send me uh, an email at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. 
But uh, Hermione is sorted into Raven, or I'm sorry, Hermione is sorted into Gryffindor, and that induces a groan from Ron. Now, uh. is that because Ron is assuming that he is also going to be in Gryffindor, and he knows he's going to have to put up with Hermione for the next several years? Is that is that what the what, what the groan? Meant? Yeah, I believe so. I think okay. he even said like on the train that he wanted any house but whatever she was in. Uh huh. And but on the other hand, he said, "Well, I, I got to be in Gryffindor, or you know, my family's going to disown me." Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of everything. He knows he he wants to be in Gryffindor. He's hoping for Gryffindor. He's hoping he's not where she's at. The the other uh, sort that I thought was kind of funny is the fact that. Uh, we know that Malfoy, Draco Malfoy, was going to go to Slytherin, mm-hmm. but the it was so emphatic with the way the Sorting Hat announced that he was going into Slytherin. And it's almost like the Sorting Hat was lit on fire and <laughs> had to get off of Malfoy's head as quick as possible. He said, "Slytherin, Slytherin!" And they, you know, took the hat off, and you know, Malfoy mm-hmm. went and. You know, high-fived his buddies on, on Slytherin. They did a good job with that in the movie, too. I think in the movie, she just, like, holds it over his head. and mm-hmm. does, It never even goes all the way down. And it goes, Slytherin! Yep. And he jumps up and runs off. And yeah. he's just like, ah, I told you guys. It's like, I'm I'm so evil that <laughs> the hat doesn't even have to be on my head to realize <laughs> how outwardly evil I am. Uh, now, Harry Potter is up. And the, uh, the celebrity student draws the usual amount of attention that he has been drawing everywhere he goes. Everybody kind of stops a little sign conversation. The real Harry Potter? Mm-hmm. Cranes their necks. Who is that? And Harry gets more attention than anybody else who, who sits on that stool. Mm-hmm. And not surprising. And Harry puts on the hat. And the first thing he does is he grabs the stool with both hands and announces out loud... Not Slytherin, not Slytherin. No, not he Slytherin. says it to himself. I I thought he said it. I thought he I thought it said he whispered it, or he said it out loud. I thought he said it to himself. All right, we'll have an intern look it up. Kelly. Uh, anything but Slytherin, right? Anything but Slytherin. For not Harry. Slytherin, not Slytherin. Anything but Slytherin. And the hat responds to this, and basically tells him, "Ooh, not Slytherin, but you'd be such a good Slytherin. You're." You know, they can, maybe Slytherin can make you be the wizard that you want to be. Because just because you're in Slytherin doesn't mean that you're evil. But you probably are. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, But Harry Potter goes to Gryffindor. And this, you know, elicits, you know, quite a reaction from the Gryffindor table because, you know, they got the legend. Yes. You know, we got Potter. We got we Potter. Potter. There was the the twins were were chanting, and that was. How do you think that that makes you think that made Harry feel more uncomfortable, or do you think that kind of made him feel a little more comfortable and a little more welcome because everybody was shaking his hand, you know, glad to have you on the team, things like that. How do you think? Do you think it was a Mixed bag. Yeah, a mixture of both. I think at this point he's just so overwhelmed about mm-hmm. everything. He's coming down off of that high of getting sorted. Oh my god, what is what's gonna happen? Oh, Gryffindor, thank goodness! And then everything else is happening. It's almost like he can't even process that part of it yet because he's still just so relieved to mm-hmm. not have gotten to Slytherin. And, and speaking of being relieved, I think 
Harry was even happier, even more so the fact that he was not put into Slytherin. He was even more excited the fact that uh, Ron is joining him in Gryffindor. Yes. It was almost like a, a sigh of relief that my only friend <laughs> in the world <laughs> who I just made friends with today, my only friend ever in recorded human history, thank goodness he's going to be... Uh, by my side in Gryffindor for the next several years, and so it's uh, it's Harry and uh, and his Weasley boys. So um, he's pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dumbledore welcomes the students. The feast begins, and we talked earlier about the house ghosts for uh, each house, each of the Hogwarts uh, contingents, and uh, we get to meet uh, the Gryffindor ghost. One uh, Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington. Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington. Yes. Better known as... Nearly Headless Nick. Now, Nearly Headless Nick? How can somebody be nearly headless, Jessica? Oh, and I was kind of sad because in the movie that's Hermione's line. And in the book it was not hmm. Seamus, I think. Yeah. And I was like, like in my head, and it already heard Hermione's voice saying it, and then it wasn't her. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, there are other characters. Um, but yeah, Nearly Headless Nick. And so Nearly Headless Nick shows everybody what Nearly Headless means. Apparently, when he was on the mortal plane... Somebody tried to chop dude's head off. Yeah. And they didn't succeed. No, they didn't I make mean, it they, all the way. They succeeded in killing him, yeah. but they didn't succeed in actually severing his head. Yeah. So <laughs> the uh, his head is kind of functions like a door hinge. Yes. Where it's still attached, but it can uh, flop back and forth. And uh, in this conversation with, uh, our house ghost, nearly headless Nick, we find out uh, that he's really excited about the prospects for Gryffindor this year because, as we mentioned earlier, Slytherin has taken home the House Cup six years in a row. Yes. And their house ghost, I guess, is not letting them live that down. And their house ghost is kind of, kind of came off... <laughs> I guess it's very fitting that the Slytherin house ghost just is like sitting there just like covered in blood and it's got like these like evil eyes <laughs> and i'm just imagine you know i'm just imagining him cuz i don't i don't remember if that was portrayed in the movie or not this the slytherin ghost but he's just kind of sitting there just looking super evil mm-hmm. and just like That's lo- a Malfoy. and looking super so smug fun. yeah i just so fitting that malfoy's sitting next to him even though draco is not happy about sitting next to a blood covered ghost yeah uh, it, it's very fitting that uh, the evilest of the evilest looking of the ghosts is sitting next to the evilest little child I've ever laid eyes on. So <laughs> I think that uh, that that uh, fits quite well. And um, we're going to make another transition here from severed heads to Severus Snape. Oh. <laughs> How you like, like that? Where are we going? Bye, guys. I'll see you. And on that note, lost. And on that note, um, I, I don't think I can do any. I don't think I can do anything better than that. So you're on your own for the rest of the podcast. And go. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Jess looks at her uh, eight, nine uh, word notes and uh, immediately uh, throws it back to me. Uh, the desserts come, uh-huh. and um, the Gryffindors are sharing their family backstories. Uh, Neville was sorted into so we're not going Gryffindor. To oh, we're going. We're going we're, right okay. now. All we're right. going right now. Uh, I'm just kind of I'm getting us there. Uh, Gryffindors are sharing their backstories. Neville's talking about how uh, he found out that he was magic because what was his was it his uncle that tried to kill him a bunch of times? <laughs> yes, and this is what I was wanting to talk about the other day when I told you that. Wizards tend to be a little more durable yeah, than, than the average human being. Because I remember this story about his uncle dropping him out the mm-hmm. window. and uh, Tried to drown him. Tried like, to drown yeah, him. Yeah, threw him into like the ocean or something like that. Um, and uh, when he was hanging him out the, the window by his feet, he uh, dropped him. Yep. and on ne- accident. Neville bounced. So yep. Bounced all magic. the way down. Right on. And uh, sitting up on... Uh, where uh, where all the professors are sitting is uh, a man with greasy black hair, a hooked nose, sallow skin, and he's just staring daggers at Harry Potter with just this look of disdain <laughs> on his face. And this uh, turns out to be Mr. Severus Snape. Mm-hmm. So what do we know about Snape at this point? Not much, right? Nothing, yeah, other than what um, Percy tells us right then Mm -hmm. is that he is the teacher of potions Mm -hmm. and that he would rather be a professor of the dark arts Mm -hmm. because the dude looks like a professor of the dark arts like he's dressed they say dress for the job that you want not the job that you have good advice so you know i should dress as batman every day yes (laughs) but uh, i mean snape looks like He's like straight out of the book of the dark arts. Mm-hmm. I mean, just everything on him is dark. <laughs> you know, his greasy black hair, his his robe, uh, just everything. He's just he just looks like he looks creepy. Yeah, he looks like a super like he looks like a fifty year old goth man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like the guy who, go, who still goes to like the goth concerts with like all like the the teenagers because he just really likes like likes the scene and likes the music. That's what it kind of that's that's what I think of when I think of of Severus Snape. You're so creative. I am. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's such a it's such a departure from the guy who is currently the professor of the dark arts. Ugh, yes. At um, at Hogwarts, and is that is that um, the professor that we met in the Leaky Cauldron? Yes. Quirrell, Quirrell, Quirrell. And this guy's dressed in like a turban. Purple. <laughs> a purple, purple turban. turban. Okay, so I'm going to date myself here. But on the old Johnny Carson Tonight Show, he used to he used to be, play a character called Karnak. And he would wear this big purple turban. Oh. <laughs> and he would have uh, like an envelope. And he would hold the envelope up to his head. And he would, the, the bit would be that he would guess, you know, what was inside the envelope. Uh, without looking at it and it was just so over the top and, and goofy and that's all, that's the only picture I could get in my head when I was seeing Professor Qu- Professor Quirrell uh, up there and he just he just doesn't look like he's comfortable 
being the professor of the dark arts, he'd much rather be doing potions or uh, transfigurations or or something like that. I don't know what he would rather do. He needs like magical flowers gardening. Magical flowers class. Yes, magical flowers class. Something... Light and fluffy welcome and no to, dangers. Welcome to Magical Underwater Basket Weaving yeah. with Professor Professor. No, Coral. he'd probably be too afraid to go under the water. Well, just your hands go under the water, not your whole body. Oh, okay. I assume. That used to I, be... I don't know. When I was in college, that was one of... The, I think they eventually got rid of it, but at my school, they had... That was one of the classes that everybody fought to get into because it was like four credit hours, but it was a super easy A. It was underwater freaking basket week. I, I always assumed it was in a pool. And you were completely underwater. <laughs> completely submerged. Like that movie, The Abyss. <laughs> so like everybody goes... little goggles and you sunk down to the bottom and, and you, you sat and there. and <laughs> You get a little hose, a little breathing hose that uh, somebody holds up on the surface for you and you weave your basket. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so like you said about... Um, uh, Severus Snape, he's a potions master, but I mean, obviously, dude could like take over the dark arts class in a second, and he would probably be happy, or as happy as he could get, because I don't know if he's ever truly happy just by the the brief description that we we get of him, uh, and he's not happy with Harry Potter for some reason. Mm-hmm. That's all we know. He's staring daggers at at Harry, and then the scar on Harry's forehead begins to burn. What's that all about? <laughs> I can't tell you that. Like, there's, there's some kind of, there's obviously a connection between these these two, right? Supposedly. I mean, there's got to be there's got to be something going on there. Why does he hate Harry so much? He doesn't even know him. Why does that scar on his forehead begin to burn? Why does he have all of this visual, uh, outwardly discontent toward <laughs> this first year kid who he's supposedly uh, seen for the first time, just uh, kind of, you know, kind of a big, you know, first appearance for a character who's going to have a big role in yes. all seven books. All of them. And when you were kind of when you were reading the chapter earlier today, and you said, "I'm excited for you to read this chapter," you get to, you know, meet a you know a big main character. Um, I didn't know. I assume this is who you're talking about. No, you know who Snape is. But I thought that's who, like, that's what what you're talking about. No. So who's the big main character that I get to meet for the first time? Nearly Headless Nick? No, you know (laughs) Nearly Headless Nick. He was in the movies. Who do I get to meet? We haven't talked, we haven't got there yet. It's the very end. Shoot, we haven't got there yet. I don't think I have it. Oh. Oh. Oh, well, you'll you'll have to take over at that point, because I don't think I wrote anything down about that part. Because you don't know that he's important. Okay. Because he's not in the movies. So we get final announcements from uh, Professor Dumbledore after we have a wonderful meal and wonderful dessert. Uh, Students, the forest forest on the grounds is forbidden. Forbidden. Even for you, Weasley twins. I'm looking at you, Weasley twins. Uh, There is no magic in the corridors. So when you're moving from class to class in the hallways... Because the groundskeeper doesn't want to deal with it. We don't want to clean up your mess. He, he kind of throws him under the bus there, too. He's not like... It's not allowed. He's just like... 
And the groundskeeper wants me to remind you mm-hmm. that there's no magic in it's, hallways. It's almost like Dumbledore's like saying it, but like saying it in a way so he doesn't he doesn't have to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm all for magic, everybody, but <laughs> somebody doesn't want you doing magic in the corridor, so I guess that's what we're going with then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quidditch tryouts will take place in the second week Woo-hoo. of the term. And last but not least, the third floor corridor on the right-hand side is off-limits. Unless, of course, you want to die a horrible death. Yes, and, of course. And Harry thinks that's kind, of, funny. that's kind of funny. He's being silly and nobody else thinks it's funny. <laughs> so <laughs> there's something going on on the uh, third floor corridor on the right-hand side. Yeah. And Percy's annoyed because he doesn't, he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And he's he a usually, prefect. He usually tells us these mm-hmm. things. So there's something obviously uh, kind of important going on up there and uh, potentially life-threatening if you don't heed Dumbledore's warning. Yes. We uh, are led, uh, Percy, the prefect, leads uh, the Gryffindors to the common room, and uh, we are heading off to bed. But before we head off to bed... In the hallways. In the hallways. Before we get to the common room. Before we get to the common someone room. Someone is throwing walking sticks <laughs> at the students. Uh-huh. And we meet Peeves, who was mentioned in the very beginning. The ghosts were complaining about him. Mm-hmm. And he's not really one of them. He is a ghost, but he is a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. He's not one of the house ghosts. And he pops up. So he's a squatter. He's just kind of chilling yeah, at the... <laughs> he's, just, he's just causing problems. It's like a homeless ghost. <laughs> He pops up all of the time and makes the children's lives hell, mm-hmm. basically. You're late for class. Guess who you're going to run into in the mm-hmm. halls? Gotcha. It's it's just, he's not like super critical for the plot, which I guess is why they kicked him out. Of, they didn't include him in the movies. But he's always around in the books, always causing some kind of problems. Um, a couple of times he does cause mischief that works out well for our main characters Mm -hmm. and sometimes he doesn't and apparently the only one who can control him is the bloody baron yes that's the slytherin ghost right the one that's just the only person in the school that Peeves is afraid of (laughs) is the bloody baron yeah i mean i think everybody's afraid of the the bloody baron even draco doesn't want to sit next to him and and draco's freaking evil so you know there you go but, uh, yeah, I think uh, Percy basically threatens Peeves with, hey, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to go tell the Bloody Baron. Yeah, he and- threatens like six times with the Bloody Baron. Like, okay, this is enough. You're just like dropping names. <laughs> and and Percy has no desire to interact with the Bloody Baron no. at all. No, nobody does. But, <laughs> but he will have to if it will get our, our squatting ghost uh, to leave the students alone and Percy kind of gives the students a warning he's like gotta watch out for him you know he's gonna you know cause trouble for you he's always gonna be around he's always around doing something always and uh, we're off to bed and the chapter ends with uh, Harry falling asleep with a belly full of good food but having a interesting nightmare uh, he's wearing <laughs> uh, Professor Quirrell's uh, purple turban yeah purple turban <laughs> And uh, it gets tighter and tighter around his head, and it's kind of like a de facto sorting hat where it's telling him, 
You need to go to Slytherin. Slytherin is where you belong. It's your destiny. And then we see Malfoy's face laughing and Malfoy's face turns into Snape's face laughing. We see a reintroduction of that green light from the day that uh, Harry earned that scar. And uh, the chapter ends. He doesn't remember it at all. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of things, a lot of changes going on. I think you said earlier that Harry is pretty overwhelmed by everything. So it's kind of natural that he would have a, uh, he had an easy time falling asleep, but a hard time getting a good sleep with all the the new things that are going on here. So what were some of your uh, big takeaways from the chapter? What were some of the things that, um, were were there any things that you thought that they kind of... Because uh, it was a long chapter, was was do you think everything that was in there was essential? Do you think there were some things in there that were kind of just you know filler, kind of drawn out, or do you think uh, it flowed pretty well? I think it flowed really well, um, especially coming from the standpoint as I know what happens in the story. I think everything's pretty much in there for a reason. A lot of singing in this in this chapter. Yes, but that's <laughs> you introduce you to the houses. It's your first. First experience with learning what all of the houses mean and what but we had the Hogwarts song are. too. Oh yes, the Hogwarts song, which which is not very well no written. It's 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 no Star Spangled Banner. No, <laughs> it's all about putting knowledge in your skull until it rots. <laughs> until it rots, because it's got so much knowledge. <laughs> yes, you finna but... learn some stuff. Here at Hogwarts. <laughs> it's almost like a jingle for like a like a burger joint. Yeah. Come to Hogwarts. We're going to get you stuff. Hoggy Warty. Yeah. Hogwarts. Yeah. Who wrote this? I don't know. Somebody in the beginning. Yeah. Maybe they founded the school. It's probably the same people that wrote that musical Rent. Oh, God. <laughs> Kelly, has... Kelly's throwing things now. Yeah. But you know what? The, the thing, the, the most... Uh, upsetting thing about Rent is the fact that it has a Stevie Wonder song in it and it still sucks so there you go oh. <laughs> uh, well we learn we, by hearing that song we learn that Dumbledore thinks that music is magic can we get a little insight into his personality yeah. other than just yeah I thought that was kind of cool you know him the, standing there saying gibberish yeah well he was we, we, we learned with not with not, with Dumbledore not saying a lot, we learn a lot about him because at the beginning, when he first introduces the meal, he says, "Allow me to say a few words," and then he just says four nonsense words and sits down. So yeah. this guy's got a, the old guy's got a sense of humor. He does, and he's you know very loving toward his students. You know he obviously loves his job. Mm-hmm. You know, and he can be very. Blunt and straightforward. Don't mm-hmm. go to the third floor if you don't want to die. Mm-hmm. Horrible. He's Here's like, don't go death. out in the woods, you Weasley, you crazy Weasley twins. And nobody go into the third floor corridor because you will die. Yeah. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hoggy Warts. Hoggy Warty Warties. Yeah. And and he's he said that, I mean, he says that music is like more, almost more magical than what they do than what they do which is that's kind of a cool sentiment mm-hmm. from a cool old guy he'd be like a cool old guy you want to hang out with yeah i think so yeah <laughs> uh 
Anything else that kind of stuck out to you? I mean, I know we got inundated with a lot of stuff in this chapter. Mm-hmm. A lot of, or as you would say, a lot of things. A lot of things. A lot, a lot of things, things happen. Things happening. Things, things. Things moving and shaking. A lot of things moving. Um. No, I'm just. I'm excited for you, mostly, Aww. to experience the. I'm excited for you. What I already read it. I'm just. I just. You just want to be excited for me excited because for I'm excited you. for yeah. you. <laughs> okay. I guess I'll be very excited yeah, then. The secret to a good marriage, I guess. <laughs> uh, chapter eight, uh, what we're going to be tackling next time is uh, titled "The Potions Master." So I'm assuming that's going to be a pretty Snape-heavy chapter. I think that's a safe assumption, Daniel. Sweet. So I'm uh, I'm learning things. A lot of things going into my heady head here at Hoggy Hoggy Wards. Going into my brainy brain before it rots. Oh, goodness. Learning things. Learning things. So, um, before we sign off, what was the, the, uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier about some of the things, um, some of the visuals and how they were portrayed from the book to the movie. Did you think, I mean, I'm assuming you were, you know, overtly impressed by, uh, how everything was constructed in the movie in the movies because I mean, it's just it's become very iconic when you see uh, even somebody like me who's only seen the movies once and reading the books for the first time when I, I know what the great hall is when I see it yeah <laughs> you know Every, yeah everyone should and as soon as I see everyone it I'm like oh world. Harry Potter Harry you Potter know? floating candles mm-hmm. um, yeah and pretty much like if you want to have like a Harry Potter themed something mm-hmm. party whatever you gotta have those floating candles yeah i mean those have just become such a huge part you gotta learn real magic oh, <laughs> oh no i'm sure you can rig something with fishing line mm. but okay uh might be a more realistic approach if you're a lazy lazy bum or a muggle you ain't got no magic so you a nomad <laughs> yes yes that's what jk rowling thinks about you know i got a name for you <laughs> You don't got no magic. You a nomad. <laughs> and I, I I, thought that was always just like J.K. Rowling kind of taking a shot at American culture. Because, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. There's, uh, you know, we're all cowboys and, you know, ranchers over here. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, all, that's all we do. That's all we do. <laughs> I guess on that note, uh, we can uh, sign off on this episode. Happy birthday. Thank you. Broomsticks and Butterbeer. From uh, Dan and Jessica Rhino signing off. I'm Dan, your resident Hufflepuff. I'm Jessica, your resident Raven Ravenclaw. You, you, Ravenclaw. you don't know word. You don't speak words good. I'm gonna call you no words. No words. <laughs> so uh, Dan and Jessica, thanks for listening. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Google Play. You can send us your thoughts at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. And we'll be back next time with Chapter Eight talk a little bit of more of Severus Snape in a chapter titled The Potion Master. See ya! Bye! That old black magic has me in its spell That old black magic that you weep